Welcome to a quick little, eh, let's just call it a segment to an episode that is coming up, probably being published later on today. So there's a lot of uh, ifs and buts about uh, the scheduling of the podcast. But I just want to quickly say thank you to everyone who is listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and of course, Anchor.fm. Thank you for listening to the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast. It means so much to me that you guys are actually responding to it, um, sending me your comments, making me laugh with them, and also giving me tremendous insights into how you are enjoying the podcast. Um, I have to say and give a tremendous Thank you to who, everyone who's been a part of the podcast. Uh, either I've caught them speaking and have them participate in the audio function of it or um, just their input, like just in passing. Uh, people are enjoying it. I am just absolutely over the moon about it. I just want to take this moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, means the world to me. I can't say that enough. So um, before we continue... I just wanted to get that off my chest. So on with the show. All right. So welcome to an episode of, it's not an official episode of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast. This is more of my race thoughts. Um, And I don't mean racism thoughts or racial thoughts. I mean actual bike racing thoughts. And I'm going to be sticking mostly to uh, the things that I know more about and actually have uh, more interest in and that is actually road cycling as well as cyclocross however cyclocross is not in right now so the cyclocross racers are either their season's over they're beginning to enjoy their off season they're getting maybe into mountain bikes um, and some of them are doing road cycling so with that being said it's going to be mostly focused on the road cycling aspect and um, as new as this particular part sounds it is probably the last one because i've got a great little idea collaboration going on for the bike shop boyfriend podcast uh race radio type sessions here um i think i'm gonna get my man alex and we're just gonna do a round table uh shooting the breeze and uh giving you our race thoughts about different races that are going on uh currently this season we're both heavily into it um and i actually really enjoy our conversations and banter and it is pretty humorous to be honest so i figure it's worthwhile content to start recording and uh, make it available to all of you so with that welcome to the very first episode of bike shop boyfriend presents race radio let's do this All right, so the one-day cycling races, road cycling, uh, they've they've begun, and I'm actually already behind the ball, so I'm going to do summaries, actually, into uh, my thoughts of what I've been seeing, Um, future updates and versions of this particular feature of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast uh, race radio report. Um, The name's going to probably change. I don't know. but I'm going to get my man, Alex, uh, a.k.a. Hot Noodle, uh, to sort of join me on the podcast to give interpretations, insights, and witty banter between the two of us. Um, it makes me laugh when we're talking about it, and it makes him laugh, so I figure it's going to make you guys laugh too. So, 
with that being said right now it's just going to be a solo act and alex is going to be joining me in future incarnations of this segment um my first uh one day race that i get really really excited for is umlaut net Husblad. um my my flemish is horrible um it's a great race however it's always sort of dictated by the wind and an up sprinted okay so it was it was a weird finish um yay that astana won that one um and i kind of don't i'll i'll, I'll be pur- purposely blunt uh i am not neutral on teams that i like so with that being said astana is not one of the teams that i actually would be rooting for however um people on the team in some cases are people that i do root for so i'm not a fan of the team i'm a fan of the riders with that being said, uh, I was actually stoked that Michael Valgren uh, did win that one in an uphill, full-on, uh, wind-in-the-face sprint. Um, kudos to him. Well-deserved and all that. My actual insights are there was uh, the participation of the three-peat world cyclocross champion, Wout Van Aert, uh, lining up on this race and it was very interesting that he was there actually being quite the um role player and actually i wouldn't call him a man of a match or anything to that degree but i would say that he was very interesting in that he was participating in the finale uh he put in a few good digs and attacks and nothing to show for it and his i think 11th place to finish out that race um, doesn't really tell the tale of the tape that uh, he was there in that last third finish uh, and was competing for a spot. And it was just very interesting to see that a guy who had a pretty difficult um, cyclocross season where he did not um, maybe was as dominant as in seasons past and was also hampered by the overwhelming dominance of Mathieu Vanderpool. Um, to sort of put it all together and come to a road race against some of the world's best in their particular field, uh, to see him line up, I think really shows that he's going to be definitely uh, a man to watch in future classics. Um, if he does decide to sort of aim for more road ambitions in the future. Um, that being said, he wout, uh, came up trumps in uh, Strade de Bianc. And with that one, they're racing on the white gravel roads of Tuscany. And if you get a chance to see a replay of this particular race, um, it is one of the most uh, modern... It feels like this race has been around for already like a century, but in truth, it's not even been around for 15 years. So with that, it's a modern classic. Um, it needs to be, I feeling, uh, maybe just a touch longer, maybe an extra 20 kilometers, maybe. Um, to really give it that uh, monument status that it maybe does deserve and maybe joins the pantheon of the rest of them. However, um, that finish was insane. Uh, myself, I was cheering for each of the guys that were on the podium uh, with Tij Benut. Um, there's a joke coming with that one with Alex. He's gonna, He's got a sweet little bit that he does with that um anyways Tij Benut with uh his old school throwback uh valiant full-on like full gas on Tuscan roads and gravel um covered in white 
mud. Uh, it was a beautiful sight to see. No arm warmers, no leg warmers. His skin looked uh, like it was beet red uh, due to the cold weather and the precipitation. Um, Wout Van Aert was also participating in that particular ride, and he and Roman Bardet uh, did a tremendous attack to go off the front. And they put together one heck of a ride together. Uh, it looked like the race was just a little too long for Wout uh, as he was climbing into Siena. The finish for that particular race, uh, a double leg cramp really took him off the bike. And we saw the most awkward uh, cyclocross dismount on a road bike. Um, speaking of very small tangent here, I have also been guilty of doing almost the exact same one however i was more of a sliding dismount on uh on my road cleats uh coming to a stop i realized at the last second that i was not actually in my cyclocross shoes or even on my cyclocross bike and dismounted fully onto it uh it's uh yeah, one of those things where I just dismounted off to it and handed my bike to a buddy who was already stationary and standing and I kept sliding and I eventually fell down. Anyways, um, I digress. Wout, uh, double leg cramped, hopped back onto the bike, crosses the finish line and just collapsed into a heap. If you get a chance to see some of these photos from that particular race, it is outstanding. Again, um, the one, two, three podium of that one is by far one of my favorite memories so far of this season. Um, it was a tremendous race. I highly recommend everyone to go check that one out. And then uh, the previous weekend was Milano San Remo. And that one does take place from Milan. And it finishes on the beach coastal town of San Remo. Uh, it is the longest classic. And it's also the first monument of the year. And that one was won by Vincenzo Nibali. Now, I'm very... Uh, I don't know how to feel about Vincenzo Nibali. I like him, but I also do not care for him. So, um, yeah, it's one of these... I don't know how to feel about the guy. Um, he's won the Grand Tours. Great. Uh, the teams that he's been on to win them, uh, I've never been a fan. So it's always been a bit of a... Um, bit of a mixed emotions and feelings on this one uh and then also when he got ejected from the vuelta i believe for hanging on to uh, a car and it was just overall blatant it wasn't even trying to uh do a sticky bottle it was more of uh if it was a sticky bottle it was his hand nailed to the side of a door and he, the, the car drove up to get him up the road uh so i've always felt he's a bit of a bum and Truthfully, if Chris Froome and Alberto Contador did not uh, crash out of that 2014 Tour de France, um, I very much doubt he would have won his only Tour de France title. Um, I think Chris Froome would have would be on number five already. And uh, yeah, he's just a. I think he benefits more from opportunity and circumstance, and not necessarily being an overall dominant rider. Um, I think he's just the most fortunate rider of a generation. However, he does have a lot of uh, panache and uh, swashbuckling style in his riding. So kudos to him for winning it. And it was a very exciting finale. Um, they were breathing down his neck in the last 10K there to try and uh, reel him back in before the finish line. But he did it. Um, so I'm kind of uh, yay 
for watching, but kind of meh for who won, I guess, would be my result on this one. You can totally disagree with me. Hit me up on Twitter. I am totally okay to have a conversation about it. Um, but take this all in jest. I'm just not a big Vincenzo Nibali uh, supporter. So that's just on me. And then this week on Friday, uh, it was E3 Haurobeke. Um That one is uh, often a really good race. However, I found watching it, um, a lot of the riders were not racing it in a weird weird way uh a, no one wanted to try and get uh Nikki Terpstra was up on the road and there was guys trying to form a, a bit of a move to try and reel him in I would say but no one was actually wanting to do any of the work they were all wanting to benefit from someone else doing the work and in that case no one's gonna win so Myself, I actually found myself being very frustrated with the Peloton doing what they were doing. So, um, kind of a garbage, like, viewing of it. Uh, it kind of made me upset, actually, as to how these guys were racing that particular race. It just kind of really turned me off, actually. Um, but kudos to Nikki Terpstra for winning it. I do feel he's a, a very worthy champion of it. And also, I'm, I'm a slight, I'm, I'm lukewarm on him, too. Um, not to how he's won, but it's always he's been the lieutenant to someone else. So it's cool always when he gets his own results. Um, and also his Roubaix win was also pretty spectacular as well. Uh, he's looking actually very good for going into Flanders as well as Perry Roubaix coming up. And then this morning was Ghent Velgem. Um, and I have to say it was as close to a beautiful race uh, for the cobbled uh, the beginning of the Cobbleds uh, classics here in Northern Europe um, where Peter Sagan won uh, emphatically in a very much uh, in the same sort of stratagem as he wins his road world championships. It's not necessarily, uh, or the, his most recent one, I should be saying, uh, in that it wasn't from like a solo win. Um, he wasn't using a sprint train. It was actually a full-on drag race uh, of power and also working with others to negate uh, the opportunity for a sprint, if that makes sense. Um, he really benefited from uh, using other people to his advantage and being very, very patient and not dragging anyone else to the line. Um, it really just shows that he's coming around with being very tactically sound. And also, I was very happy to see that he had one more teammate uh, in the finale than what he normally does. Uh, he's normally riding as an army of one to a large extent, but it was cool to see Marcus Burkhardt, uh, his teammate, still riding with him and giving him a few words of wisdom before he was about to race it. So, uh, for the finale, I should say. So that's going to be uh, this installment of uh, Bike Shop Boyfriend Race Radio. Let me know how you like it. Uh, it's very much a new format, and this is probably the last one that I'll do where it is just myself. I do want to get Alex onto the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast here with me. Um, he's very funny. Uh, he's very insightful, and he's also got uh, some really cool uh, race tactics and thoughts on his side, too. I will be full disclosure, we are both not the most elite racers, so take it for what it's worth. This is like a fan's perspective and analysis, so 
we see what you guys see on uh, your pirated feeds of how you guys view watch or how you watch these races. And uh, we'll have hopefully more to come. I do expect for the first Grand Tours uh, us to be kind of going absolutely silly bonkers um, coming you with coming at you with daily uh, podcast segments to sort of while the time and to add to the plethora that are going to be that is out during the Grand Tours. So with that being said, let me know what you think. Again, thank you to everyone listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and here on Anchor.fm. I'm so glad you guys are listening. Uh, please leave a comment and a rating, and I would be saying see ya.